Beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. See, the Bible is not about a bunch of stories. I mean, there are stories there, yes. But the Lord is hidden there. His spirit brings out things in the word that would not normally be seen or heard or understood if we approach the word as it being just a bunch of stories. This morning, we're going to look in Genesis, and a few days ago, like three days ago, I lost my voice. I've been trying to find it. I don't know where it went. You'll have to bear with me here as we go along, but I'm going to believe right now for a quickening here so that I'm able to speak and say what the Lord wants me to bring out. So let's go to Genesis. I'm going to talk about the tree of life. The tree of life is mentioned in various places in the Bible. We're most familiar with it in the Garden of Eden. But it's mentioned also in Revelation. And there's hints of it in areas, different areas of the Bible. And then also we're going to go to Proverbs. But let's begin... In Genesis. Now, what I want you to do is put a marker. Now, I want you to follow me in your Bibles. I want you to page, look at the scriptures I'm looking at. Not just listen. Uh, we're going to begin, begin in chapter 1, but we're going to stay most of the time in chapter 3. And we'll go to Revelation later. <clears throat> In chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 29, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. So the content The context here in verse 29, the every tree, the context here is seen as a physical tree. There were trees in the garden, physical trees. Now I'll move on to chapter 2, verse 2. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all all his works which he had done. So hold your place there and go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. So in Genesis 2, 2, the seventh day here we're seeing God rested and he, he stops or he enters into this rest or, he, or you could say he rests from all the physical from the physical realm where he's doing this, creating the universe and the world and, you know, all this stuff that he says, stars and what have you. In Hebrews 4.4, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. That's a quote from Genesis 2.2. God created all this that we see, you know, in the, in the uh, nature and up in the sky at night and so forth. 
and then on the seventh day he rested. Now in, we're coming back to Hebrews, so just hold your place there for a moment. Now in Genesis 2-9, now I'm the blackboard guy. I like to use the blackboard. I always, I think for me, I remember years ago that when Jake would teach in the Bible school, a lot of times he would speak and he would write. And that's two avenues by which you can see something and you're hearing it and it kind of, for me, maybe not for you, but for me, sometimes it's easier to see and grasp and I remember it better. But in Genesis 2.9, there's two things going on here. So I'll put this down here. Genesis 2.9, A. In Genesis 2.9, A, I guess we should read it first, right? Let me read it for you. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. In 2.9a, you have the physical, or we'll say the physical tree, tree or trees. I want you to see that in this part of the verse, this is speaking about that which is physical that God created. Now, in the second half of the verse, which is 2, 9, B, let's read that. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now he's talking about something different. He's talking about the spiritual realm, or he's talking about a spiritual tree. So... In one verse, we would just read that and we wouldn't think anything of it. But I wanted to, to show you this and divide this for you because this is very important to see. Because as we progress into chapter 3, some of the things that occur there are based upon this and this particular truth that we're going to look at in a minute. is throughout the Bible... And in certain places, you know, we see it, but we don't even really think about it. We understand it to, to a degree, but we don't really, really think about it and how this relates even back, back then into Genesis. So back in Hebrews chapter 4, I told you to hold your place there. So verse 4 For he had spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way that God rested on the seventh day from all his works. He's talking about Genesis 2, 9a, the physical creation. Now, when you get down to the next verse, verse 5, and again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Now, he's talking now about a spiritual thing, a spiritual place, something dealing with the realm of the spirit entering into this rest. So in many different places in the Bible, you have both of these things moving. Matthew 4. And what was the other one? It was uh, John. You were in John 6 this morning, right? Okay. I saw it in there when you were teaching. In Matthew 4, 
Verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, to Jesus, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, if you go back in verse 2, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So the tempter's coming to him, and he's saying, if you are the son of God, change these stones to bread. Now, he's talking about something in the physical realm here, because Jesus is hungry. He's fasted now. And the enemy is bringing something out here. He wants him saying, change these to literally to, in the physical, natural, to bread. So Jesus now, in his response, he's not going to deal with the physical area. Look what he says. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, physical bread. See, in that realm, not, man's not going to live by that alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now he's talking about a spiritual area, this physical bread, spiritual bread. Jesus said, let's go to John 6, I am the bread of life. Look at John 6. Now, you're going to have to stay with me while I develop this. It's going to take a while. You see here, John 6. I have to find it, excuse me. The, this, verse 32. He's talking about manna. Now, God provided manna in the wilderness. The manna was in the physical. But there's always these two things moving in everything, really. You have the physical, and you have the spiritual. So in verse 32, then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. See, so there was the manna, the physical bread, okay? But the bread of heaven that Jesus is talking about is not the physical bread. Now, he's talking about or he's moving to another realm, a spiritual realm here. And then he goes on, somewhere here, verse 48, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of heaven, from heaven. Okay? So you have these two things. Now, one of the things that, or I should say the thing that kept Adam and Eve from the tree of life was, after they sinned, was their unbelief. In Hebrews 4, 3 and 4 actually, it deals with this whole issue of unbelief. So that man does not approach to what God wants, or man does not approach to the place where God wants to give them certain things that are needful. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Now, what's that talking about? Well, that can relate to either the physical. You want daily bread, right? You like to eat. We all do. But also, the spiritual. Give us this day our needful. The word daily means needful. Needful bread. So, so there is this area of the spirit where the Lord wants to provide for you as a Christian Yes, the physical. But more importantly, he wants to provide in the spiritual realm so that you have what you need 
to continue your walk. You have your strength as a Christian and all that, so you can continue to walk with him in the way he wants you to walk. So these two things are seen all through the Bible, all through the Bible. Now back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And basically what he's saying is, you know, what God has told you is unfair. You should be able to do this, and you should be able to to partake of that, you should be able to do this, that, whatever you want. But see, God said you can't. God is unfair to you, and that attitude sometimes gets in the heart of Christians that they think, well, you know, I would like to do this, but see, I know that it's wrong, but see, the Lord, Lord's keeping me from doing what I really want to do. And so this is the way the serpent approaches Eve to kind of, over time, you know, plant things in her mind you know, maybe God is unfair. You know, why wouldn't he let me partake of this, you know, this particular thing? You know, why should I, it be held back from me? And so this starts to work on her, you see. Does God have his best interest in mind for you? Do you believe that? See, not all Christians believe that because if they did believe it, then they wouldn't go their own way and do their own thing. So when you see a Christian that they just go out and, I'm not talking about church here, I'm talking about when they leave. They go do this, they go do that. There's, there's no waiting on the Lord, there's not knowing his purpose and will for the life, there's no walking with him. It's just that, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, blah, 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 I'll do what I want to do. And Well, when you see that, they take their life in their hands, they do what they want, and they do not believe that walking with God and his, the confines sometimes of his will and purpose for their life is the best thing for their life. Because if they believed that, then they would walk with God. And, and they would look to him for their decisions and not themselves. Now, <clears throat> verse 2 is quite interesting. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Was that true? Was that true? No, it was not. No, it was not. And I'm going to show you this in a minute here. First of all, in verse 2, you see we may eat of the fruit of the trees. I want to bring that to your attention. The trees. There were different trees that they could partake of. And what that speaks of is, I believe, three things. Desire. Well, I desire to have this, or I desire to have that, and this, so there's my desire, I want to have that. It speaks of choice. I'm going to choose now to have that, partake of this, partake of that. And it also speaks of eating. You say, well, that's obvious. 
But sometimes things aren't as obvious as we think. You know, they think we think things are obvious, and they're obvious because we're not observing and we're not allowing the Lord to show us certain things. So we find out later that things may be a little different than we thought. So I asked the question, what she said, Eve, that we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Is that true? Well, to, this is what she's saying. To understand and know if that is true, let's look at what God said and compare the two. Chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. It sounds like the same, doesn't it? But it isn't the same. In verse 16... God does not mention fruit. The first thing that Eve says is fruit. And you may say, well, they're one and the same. Well, not necessarily. No, God says of every tree, of every tree, that's different than the fruit. You have the tree that bears the fruit. See, the, true, the fruit doesn't bear the tree. And many times Christians, I have found, and in the world does the same thing, they focus upon the fruit of whatever it may be, the results. But they never really see or focus upon what brings about the result being the fruit of something. See, so the Lord is not bringing the attention to what is produced at this time. He's bringing attention to that which is going to produce it. And there's a difference. So in spirit, the focus is to be <clears throat> upon eating the tree, not the fruit. See, the, the tree is, is intended to produce fruit. But the focus for you and I is to be eating, like God said, of the tree. Now, just let me show you this somewhere else in Scripture so you don't think that I'm off somewhere with this. Go to John. I have to stop and think of where it is. I didn't put it in my notes. 15. Okay. John 15, now, just to reiterate, you're still with me, right? The focus was to be to eat of the tree. The focus was not to be the fruit. Eve's focus was the fruit. It was not the tree. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, or you could say, I am the tree. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So the focus here is not the bearing of much fruit. Jesus said that, yes, but that's not the focus. The focus is to be, he is the tree, the vine. 
So it's a very subtle difference, but the subtle difference is extremely important. I am the tree. So if there is a focus of the heart always being out there with the fruit, then many times it means that the proper focus has been missed. I mean, the fruit may be what it is, but still, as far as you and I as Christians, our focus is to be what Jesus said it was to be, and that is in John, that he is the vine. So the partaking here, like in Genesis 2.16, is to be on partaking of the tree. Now, we're, we're going to get to the tree of life. This is just laying the groundwork here. Okay, verse 3 in, in Genesis 3. Now, when she says this here, in verse 2, And the woman said to the servant, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. She's talking about this up here, the physical trees. When you come to verse 3, and, and we'll just read it real quick. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall touch it, lest you die. When you come to verse 3, it's not talking any longer about a physical tree. It's talking about a spiritual tree. It's something that's in the midst of the garden, the middle of the garden. And you see in the middle of the garden the tree of life. And you can read Genesis and you'll see that. And also Revelation, in the midst of the garden. And you also see the knowledge of good and evil. Now, it seems to indicate to me that both of these trees grow in the same proximity. So that when there is life, when there is something that the Lord wants you to partake of, there's always something else here on the side, at least for this age, that, that'll be done away with eventually, but at least in this age, there's always something else here to feed from. So you have the knowledge of good and evil, that tree. You have the knowledge, or um, the tree of life. So they're, they're both in the midst of the garden. Jesus chose to partake of the knowledge, um, excuse me, of the tree of life in the wilderness. The enemy was trying to get him to partake of the knowledge of good and evil. So those two things are always there. And to boil this down a little bit for you, you can see this in your own personal life when the Lord has something for you to do or <clears throat> a purpose whatever it may be. For example, uh, when I went on a mission field various times, it would seem the, as though that purpose was burned into my heart to go, but there was always something else there to hinder or always something else there that you could partake of so that the fulfillment of what God has purposed doesn't take place. And so Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
And the, the purpose, the original purpose that God had for them in the garden was thwarted for a period of time here. Eventually, the Lord's purpose in all this will be fulfilled. So there, you always seem to have those two things. Now, in Genesis 2.9, just for a second, and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree to grow that is, in, that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, hold your place there and go to Romans 7. Romans 7, verse 21. Now, Paul, Paul here says this, and when I read this, I see these two things. I see the tree of life, and then I see the other tree, the knowledge of good and evil, both in the same relative area. They're close to one another, and sometimes they're so close, it takes this effort on our part to partake of the tree of life. And so Paul says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So Paul says that, you know, that's there with me. You know, I know I should be this way, and I want to be this way, but see, there's this other thing right here. I want to walk righteously, but see, there's this other thing right here next to me. You know, the law is good, but then there's this other thing here. It's going to cause me to you know, walk a different way. My flesh, the carnality, all that. So there's always these two things uh, opposing one another. Now, go back in, into Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and then he, she gave it to her husband. So there can be one of two focuses in the life. There can be a focus on knowledge, or there can be a focus on God. There can be the focus on knowledge, or there can be the focus on the tree of life. And knowledge, you know, knowledge is good, but knowledge is good when it comes in God's time. There, were, there are things that you wouldn't, as a parent, for example, tell or show a young child. That is knowledge that you have, and you wouldn't show that child because that can cause that child great problems, fear and all kinds of things. So you withhold some knowledge from them, you keep certain things from them, and eventually when they grow and they mature, that they'll understand, they'll come into that knowledge. Well, the same holds true with the Lord and us. There are certain things that... Because of our development, where we are spiritually, 
we can't know certain things. We can't understand and perceive certain things. So the danger now becomes to move toward knowledge instead of moving toward Him. Now, I study, I look at the Scriptures, I go into the Hebrew, I go into the Greek, I do word studies, I do all this stuff. But I do not place that in a position before God, if you know what I'm saying. I am interested in knowing Him. I want to see beyond the written page. I want to draw closer to Him in relationship. So He's put this before me to do, you know, to study and what have you. But that's not my focus, so to speak. I sit down and I study, but my focus is on Him. So we can go toward knowledge. Man does this all the time. And Christians can do the same thing because you have this thirst to know. Well, it's okay to have a thirst to know, but you need to allow the Lord to bring you the knowledge in his time. See, not want to know everything. There are things that I didn't know years ago. I was glad I didn't know. Now that I know it. <laughs> that made sense. But it's it just the Lord is graceful to us, and he lets us stay where we are and, and receive certain things. But in verse 6, she, she looks at this tree, and she, say, she says, the tree is desirable to make one wise. But back in verse 5, it says here, for the, uh, Satan says, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. But what happened was their eyes were opened to this knowledge, but they lost spiritual insight. So what is more important, to have a knowledge or to have spiritual insight? Well, I I say, and the Bible backs this up, to have spiritual insight is more important than pushing through in something to obtain knowledge. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't study or read. You should. This will be the source of a lot of revelation, be the Bible. But things need to be in proper order. Now, in Genesis 3.22... Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. This phrase in here, and take also, is indicating that they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know that, okay? But they now are no longer partaking of the tree of life. So when they once were spiritually alive to God, that was because they were partaking of a spiritual tree. See, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the vine. 
So they, Adam and Eve were partaking of a spiritual tree, the tree of life. And because of that, they could perceive in spirit, they could see in spirit and understand certain things. But once they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, well, their eyes were opened in one area, but now in the spiritual realm, they were blinded. Now, hold your place there. Well, we'll come back to Genesis later. You don't have to hold your place. In um, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 15. Do you remember the day you received Christ as your Savior? Before that day, you thought you understood things. But after you came to the Lord, now your, your eyes were opened and you started to see things differently, not just in your life, but you started to perceive things differently. In 1 Corinthians 2.15, But he who is spiritual judges or discerns all things. So the spiritual man discerns all things because there has been a change in his diet. The opposite happened with Adam and Eve. See, but... But because now of sin, we perceive, we discern, or judge, the King James uses judge, but it's discern. We're able to discern in the spiritual realm, uh, just to great, different degrees depending on who, who you are and what the Lord has done in your life. But now you have changed your diet and now you are partaking of a different tree. See, the world today, especially now in the age we live in, knowledge is exploding. Technology is taking over every aspect of our lives that we never thought was ever happened. You know, some of you that are older, Doug, 40, 50 years ago, we never thought we would see what we're seeing today. We never even dreamt anything like this would ever be. So, so mankind is racing toward Babel. Mankind is interested in knowledge. How many, what do they call it when the computer does calculations? How many calculations per second can this new computer do? A million calculations per second. So if I feed all this stuff into this computer, it's going to come up with an answer. Well, I mean, that's okay. But see, that all is knowledge. That is the knowledge of good and evil. But every bit of technology has a good aspect and an evil aspect. Because it's, I believe... It's partaking of the knowledge of good and evil. See, it's, it's all mixed. God brings things in his time, and it's totally different. When God brings things to you as a Christian, you can be assured that that is coming from the tree of life. 
It's coming from a spiritual realm that you have been awakened to when you came to Christ. You have been awakened to that realm and you begin to see things. You begin to read the scriptures and understand things. And, you know, all, the Lord starts putting these things together for you. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so there, there has been a change of diet with every single Christian who is walking with the Lord. Their diet has changed from what it was before. Now, let's, let's continue. Let's just read one more verse here. Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. See, Adam and Eve no longer had the mind of the Lord. They had the mind of the Lord before in saying, you can have this, you can partake of this, you can have that, but don't partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was the mind of God or the mind of Christ, you could say. They had that. But once they disobeyed, they no longer had the mind of the Lord. They could not discern what was from God and what was not. And that is the predicament that some Christians are in today. They think this is okay and this is okay and that's okay. And many times it's not. Many times it's their own mind, their own thinking, what they want, rather than it being the mind of Christ. So if we are to mature and if we are to develop properly as a Christian, we must be feeding from the tree. We must be feeding from the tree of life. We must have as the focus of our life, not fruit, but tree. Not that you will have much fruit, which is many times the focus, but that he is the true vine. See? Now, I want to show you just three, three examples just in the Old Testament of this, this phrase, tree of life. It's used in Genesis. We know that. But outside of Genesis, it's probably used maybe five or six times or so. I want to just show you three here in Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs 3. Uh, Proverbs 3.18. It says, She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. The context here is speaking of wisdom. So God will come with his wisdom, and he'll say, Okay, you have been... He might not even say this, but you have been before you were saved, borderline alcoholic, used to drink a lot. So now I'm going to come with my wisdom, and I want you to just cut off your friends. Don't, don't go where they go. I don't want you to go to the bars. I don't want you to go and sit there with a big pitcher of Michelob and pretzels and peanuts. That for you now, you know, he, he can show you that. Okay, so let's say he does that. Now, he comes with his wisdom. That's his wisdom. We might not agree with it. In my wisdom, I say, Lord, what's wrong with going there and doing that? 
what's wrong with me doing this or that? Well, it's not the, the thing that I'm doing, but where I, am I with God? Am I in this place of, of obeying him and walking with him and, and, and allowing him to, to change my life and do something better than I, I've had before? And so here in this verse, it says, wisdom is a tree of life. That means that when God comes to you and I with his wisdom in a situation, circumstance, whatever it may be, he shows you something. Now, he's not just showing you that for no reason. He shows you something in order for you to obey or in order for you to do what he's showing you so that there will be some result in your life. The result being fruit. So your obedience and my obedience to wisdom will be a tree of life. A tree of life. Just talking about what is going to result in your life. See, if you partake of the tree of life, that will guarantee you in your life fruit. You don't even have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to be concerned about it. If you partake of the tree of life, it will produce fruit. That's why the Lord says to Adam, eat of the tree. That, let that be your focus. So here, wisdom can be to you. It's what's, that's what's going to result. A tree of life, yes. And then from that, there's going to be fruit. Now, turn to Proverbs 11. Here's another usage of the phrase. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So this tree here produced fruit. What fruit is he saying? The fruit of righteousness. So partaking of the tree is going to bring certain results, desired results. How many of you here want to have fruit from your life? And I don't just mean kids. How about some spiritual children? Or, or maybe you can help a friend, a relative, a neighbor who is distressed in, in their life. Uh, I remember... Years ago, uh, I was a young Christian, and I would work with a fella, and the Lord was urging me to go and, and speak to him. So I went over to him, and he had a radio right where he worked. He had the thing up real loud, and so, of course, I went over, and I turned it down a little bit, and I started talking to him. And I don't even remember what I said, but I was telling him about Jesus and how he changed my life and how receiving Christ as your Savior can really make a difference in your life. And so... It was just at the very end of the day, <clears throat> we were leaving, and I said, would you like to meet me out front of the building tomorrow morning, and we'll talk some more about this, and I'll bring my Bible, I'll show you a few, few verses. He said, yeah, okay. So, make a long story short, we got together, and um, in, in my, it was, I had a van at the time, and we were talking, I shared with him the word, and he received Jesus Christ. And he starts to cry and cry and cry. He says, you do not know. I'm thinking, 
What don't I know? She said, you don't know. You don't know. So I'm just sitting there wondering, what's, what's he going to say? He said, the day yesterday when you told me about Jesus, I had made up my mind that when I left work that day, when, when I, he was leaving, he was going to drive across the McKees Rocks Bridge, park his car on the bridge, and jump off the bridge. He would commit suicide. Well, that was news to me. I didn't know he was going to do that, see, but the Lord did. And so the tree will produce in your life fruit. Or you could say it this way, the Lord will work in your heart and your life in such a way that as you walk with him as a Christian, your life will influence and touch other people. So you might only touch a couple people in your life that you can say, well, that happened. But see, your life, the fruit from, you can have fruit from your life in people that you, you don't even know. Maybe you, you don't understand that, but it's true. So you, you're walking uprightly as a Christian influences other people. Believe it or not. Okay, let's get back to this. So when I looked at these, these three verses in Proverbs, do I look at the third one? No. Proverbs 15.4. Proverbs 15.4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. So these three verses here are talking about the results of partaking, spiritually partaking, of the tree of life. See, you and I are to be partaking of the tree of life today. This is not something that, okay, we'll partake of when we get to heaven. No, 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 no. This is woven throughout the scripture, and many times it's called life. It's not, it doesn't say the tree of life in that phrase, but it's, it talks about life. You have the life of God. The life of God's come out, it comes out of you. See, so... You spiritually partake of the tree of life, and when you do that, over a period of time, there will be results. So, you know, you have a tree that you plant in your yard. I have two friends of mine that uh, they're into horticulture. They plant trees. And the one individual, he's planted all kinds of trees, and the other guy, he's experimenting and planting apple trees and plum trees and all this stuff. And you find out that when you graft and, and you, you start a, a tr- small tree, you're not going to get fruit right away, you know. Sometimes it takes five, six, seven years. A tree has to grow. It has to be a certain size. You have to prune it and so forth. And then you start to see fruit. In the life of a Christian, you will spiritually partake of the tree of life But the resulting fruit might not be seen for some time. But it'll come. It'll come. It just takes time. Okay, go to Jeremiah. You still with me? No? Yes? Okay. Do bad if you're not. (laughs) 
the devil, the world system, the evil influence of men, the carnal nature, all of it is designed, or put it this way, all of it will try to hinder or keep you from feeding from the tree of life. The whole world system. People in the world. The enemy of your soul. All, all of them, everything, will try to keep you from partaking of what you should be partaking of. It's a I don't want to say a spiritual law, but it's a spiritual reality. Like Paul says, that the evil was present with me. Well, why? Well, there's various reasons, but one of them is to keep you from partaking of the tree of life. Jeremiah 11. Remember, Jeremiah was a prophet, and he wasn't too well received. You know, he, he Lord said, prophesy and tell them this and tell them that, and the, the people weren't too receptive because the people were living in idolatry. They were living in sin. Uh, they were doing what they wanted and what they thought. And they didn't want to hear the word of God. Does that sound familiar? Sometimes Christians don't want to hear the word of God. So whenever a person doesn't want to hear the word of God, they'll either put themselves in a place where they don't have to hear it, or they'll get some substitute that will say what they want to hear. But Jeremiah, you know, he was preaching and teaching the word of God, and they didn't like it. So in verse 18, Now the Lord gave me knowledge of it, so what they're doing, they're going, to seek his, they're going to seek his life. And the Lord gives them knowledge of it. And I know it, for you showed me their doings. But I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter. And I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, this is what they said, let us destroy the tree with its fruit. And let us cut him off from the land of the living. So they see Jeremiah, and, you know, they just don't use any words. They say, we see the tree and its fruit. And so they want to cut that tree down so it's not going to produce the fruit any longer because the fruit for them is antagonistic because of where they're living, because of their own personal walk or the lack thereof. They don't want to see it and hear it anymore. So they said, okay, we're going to cut down this tree and the fruit. And so there is quite a bit arrayed against the Christian who is partaking of the tree of life. You know, we can expect that, you know, and that's just... Like I said before, it's a spiritual reality. But every tree is good for food, as God said. And so is the tree of life. It's good for spiritual food. Now let's go to Revelation 2. I like the Bible. I, I tell them in the class all the time. 
Do I have any of my stu class students here? One, two, three, four. Oh, no, you're, in, you're not in my Daniel class. Okay. What is the best, don't say it yet, what is the best commentary you've ever read? What's the best commentary on the Bible? Speak back there, students. The Bible. And you'll read one thing, and you go somewhere else in the Bible, and it says something very similar, but it adds a few wor words or a sentence, and now it brings something else into the picture. What Jesus is saying here, he's going to say something about the tree of life. And what he says is very significant. And it adds another dimension here that most people don't even think about. And this is his address to the churches in you know, the book of Revelation. He talks to the seven different churches. And the one here, he says this related to the tree of life. Chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So overcoming opens the way to receive greater quality of life. Spiritually, we can have life and continue to partake of the tree of life. As a Christian, you will find, and I'm sure you already have, that as you walk with him, there will be things to overcome. You can't get around it. That's life. I'll just use a, a very simple, basic illustration. So the Lord, you know the Lord wants you to come to church. And lo and behold, when you wake up, everything goes wrong. You know, the car doesn't start. You want to leave the house. The kids all have to have a bowel movement. They're on all the toilets. You can't go. You know, this happens, that happens. You have young kids. You know what this is all about. You know, all these things happen. You're thinking, geez, maybe the Lord's telling me, I shouldn't go to church. I wouldn't say that. I would say maybe you need to overcome. And there are some obstacles that you have to overcome. Now, that's just one example. As you walk with the Lord, you will find there will be things you must overcome. Now, when you overcome them, now you're still Christian, you're still partaking of the vine, but when you overcome them, this now gives you the, uh, the problem, the circumstance, whatever it may be, gives you the opportunity to have a greater quality of life. See, you have life. Jesus says, I come that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it more abundantly. So, the life, I'm a Christian, I accepted Christ, that's one thing. And that you might have more, life more abundantly or have abundant life, that's something different. That is going to, to entail overcoming and other things. When the Christian, you, I, overcome, 
And I'm not talking about you break a hangnail and you have to overcome the pain. I'm talking about spiritually. Feeding from the spiritual tree. As you overcome whatever it may be that the Lord has there in front of you, or the devil, doesn't matter, you will start to partake of a greater quality of life than you had. So that when you become a Christian, when you remain a Christian for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, after that period of time, you should have more of the life of God. You should have more uh, of uh, the attributes of Christ, the characteristics of Christ in you later than you did when you first started. That's the way it's to work. Now, there are some Christians, they stay the same all their life, but that's not the way it was intended. Overcoming is one means and method, one means of partaking and, and um, <clears throat> coming into a fuller quality of, of the life that God has for you. Now, turn to Revelation 22. Jesus says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Did you ever hear that verse? Anybody ever hear that verse? Is anybody live out there? Did you ever hear that verse? I give you the keys to the kingdom. What are the keys? You ever think about that? It's very simple. Once you know what they are, they're very simple. He didn't give you keys. You read the scripture, the key is in the scripture. The qualification is in the scripture. That's the key. See, the promise is there, but you look at it real close and look at it, and you'll see a condition, and then you take that condition, like a key, and say, ah, and you, you, you fulfill the condition, it opens it up. It's the keys to the kingdom. Look at, here's a, there's a key here I want to show you to this whole thing. Revelation uh, 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. So the key here of the kingdom, the key of having a right to the tree of life is you and I obeying the Lord. Very simple. It's a key. You're partaking of the tree of life is going to be based upon your obedience to the Lord, what he's shown you, what revelation he's given you, uh, and, and so forth, will enable you to partake of the spiritual tree. So that if I decide that I no longer want to obey the Lord in something, now I'm getting into a, a dangerous area. If, like Saul, if my obedience becomes a continual thing, for a pattern, then what happens is now I'm cut off from that. And then the Lord has to somehow maybe jog my life somehow, you know, do something. Adam and Eve were cut off from the spiritual tree. They were disobedient. The key here is obedience. Now, the more, you can write this down if you want, the more the tree of life is eaten, the greater the quality of the spiritual life you will have. 
the more you partake of the tree of life. I'm not talking about a literal tree. We're talking spiritually here. The Lord will bring to you what he brings to you personally. The more you eat and partake of that, the tree of life, the greater quality of spiritual life will be yours. So that if you decide, that, well, I don't like that diet. You know, some people are picky. I had some people that I worked with years ago, the one individual. I worked around that individual for 13 years. 13 years is a long time. And I never, ever, well, I shouldn't say ever. I saw one other time. Saw them eat anything but pizza. I think I saw them eat wings once. Well, that's, that's pretty. And I said to them one time, I said, why don't you ever eat vegetables? I don't like them. I said, but don't you know there, there are certain things in there that, yeah. Well, they have some intestinal problems. I wonder why. We can be picky and decide, I'm going to only eat one thing. I'm only going to eat this. I'm only going to eat that. In our house, Linda's always made the kids eat everything when they were young. Now they, they grow up, they eat all kinds of stuff that a lot of kids don't eat. You're eating, that's it, period. There's no discussion, you starve. Well, you find out how quickly how kids will change their mind when they face starvation. Oh, we want to be so cruel to them. Well, I'm telling you what, if this individual's parent would have done that and got them into eating other things, and today they would have probably been used to it and they wouldn't have the physical problems they have. So, whatever, that's kind of like a side thing. But getting back to the tree of life, don't be so picky when it comes to the Lord serving you up something you're not too fond of. The same basic principle. Certain things we like. Certain things we're not too fond of. Certain things you say, oh, I like that. I'll take that. But I don't want that. Well, I mean, it's okay not to like some things. Everybody, I don't care who you are, there's certain things you don't like. Mushrooms, somebody, but people don't like mushrooms. I love mushrooms. You know, some people don't like this or that. It's okay. You know, there's certain things we all, but as a general rule, we should have a variety. And I'll tell you, spiritually, God will give you a variety. He'll give you things to eat you never thought you would eat. He'll bring things to you you never thought he would. So one more verse here in Revelation 22, then we're going to go to Genesis and close. Revelation 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. So there you see this river of, pure river of water flowing from the throne. Verse 2, you see in the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life. And it yielded fruit. So you see here, it goes on, it says, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. This is a spiritual provision for the nations, I believe. And you can be, put it this way. I see it this way. I don't know if anybody else sees it this way. But the tree of life is is just like life. It's not just there in, in the future in heaven. The river of God, the river of life, is not just in heaven 
it has flowed to, to earth to you. And as I see it, the tree of life, we, we can spiritually partake of that, and that begins to grow in us, and it produces leaves. And the leaves can be, as it says here, the healing of the nations. The leaves can be taken and brought, can, through the leaves can, can bring healing to others. So our partaking of the spiritual tree is, is really important. Now let's go back to Genesis in closing. Genesis 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take. So there, there's two words I want to show you here. The word, lest. Lest is a Hebrew word, pan, P-E-N. And the primary function of this Hebrew word in the beginning of a clause is to express precaution. The precaution that it is to express is that man would not do this. That man would not reach forth to the tree of life. So he's saying here, that and now lest he put out his hand. See, he's cautioning you, you have to do this. They have to do this in order to once again partake of the tree of life. We call it salvation. But as I was saying along the way here, that's a continual thing that we feed off of the vine. You know, you are the branches. You, you feed off the, the vine. And then verse um, 22 the word take here means to take, to uh, lay hold of, to seize. It also means to receive. So man has to receive. And what is it that man has to receive? See, man has to receive, or the man should receive, I should say, the provision of God. So that if he is ever going to have the life of God, or he's ever going to have the life that God intended, then he must receive, take, of the tree of life. He has to, or there will be no life in him. Verse 23. So because of the situation here, Adam and Eve sinned. They weren't interested in repentance. You don't see Adam and Eve repenting. So he can't, he can't keep them where they are. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from where he had been, been taken. So he drives them out, result of sin, he's banished from the garden. But see, he's not banished from the tree. He's banished from the garden, but God intends Adam to partake of the tree, and I'll show you this in a minute here. Verse 24. So he drove out the man and placed cherubim at the east end of the Garden of Eden. The, the, the cherubim here were placed there to keep the tree available to man. 
some people say that the cherubim were set there so that man couldn't enter there. But that's not true because the way to the tree of life has to be kept open or man will never see and experience salvation. And so it says here, and a flaming sword, the cherubim has a flaming sword, uh, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The flaming sword, the Hebrew, it's, it's, it's this way, the flame of the sword that turns round and round. And the turning indicates a repetitive action. And the action here is not to keep man away from the tree of life. Remember, Satan, he is the deceiver. Satan always wants to make things hidden. So I go to this window here. This is, you have a transparent, the, the glass is not transparent. You have glass that's transparent. Then you have this is translucent, so some light comes through this. The word opaque means it's completely dark and it blocks the light out. The way to the tree of life, the enemy of our soul, would want to make it opaque. He would want to make it so that no man could find his way back to God. No man could find his way back to the tree and partake of the tree of life. So the Lord has put the cherubim there with the turning sword to keep that way open so that the way doesn't come, become overgrown, so the way doesn't come so obscure that man cannot find his way back. So God puts the cherubim there to keep it open so that every single man who wants, who desires to go to the tree of life can do it. Every single Christian who wants to partake of the tree of life can do it. There's no excuse. The cherubim in spirit are set there. They're keeping the way open with a flaming sword. No overgrowth. All this stuff tries to overgrow so you can't see the way. There they are. They cut it right out so that you can find your way. So that you can find the quality of life that the Lord has so intended for you. He has intended for you to have life abundantly, and because he has intended for you to have life abundantly, don't just be a Christian, I'm a Christian, it's fine. No, he wants you to have an experience of abundant life, and because of that, he has stationed the cherubim there to make it available for you and I. Talk about the love of God. Talk about the grace and mercy of God. Giving you and I every single opportunity to partake of the tree of life. I've heard somebody say, oh, the cherubim are there. They're to keep everybody out. They're swinging their swords so you can't get in there. (laughs) I don't think so. Wisdom is as a tree of life. Does that mean the Lord doesn't want you to partake of wisdom? No, on the contrary. He's going to keep that way open. So as long as you and I are breathing in these bodies, 
as long as you and I have a pulse, as long as you and I live on this earth, the opportunity is here for us to make our way there and say, Lord, I want to partake of the tree of life. Lord, I want to see you and know you as the true vine. I want to be a branch that's going to take the sap of that tree. Of every tree you shall eat, the tree, the tree, the tree, so that you will produce fruit in your life. It's a definite, sure thing. If you focus on the fruit, then that's something different. But if you're looking to the tree, the fruit will come. It will come. And just in closing, Exodus. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. When I see things like this in the scripture, it just makes me excited for God. I mean, the Lord provides. You know, we could sit there and say, uh, um, uh, another service. <laughs> oh, reading the Bible again. I'll tell you what. I see some of these things in the Word of God, and I say, Lord, you are the best. And see, if you start to see this, you are going to understand that the Lord is interested in you. He's interested in his best for your life. That's why the way is kept open. He's not going to let the enemy... He's not going to let the world system, he's not going to let your old buddies, nobody, cloud the way so you can't see the way back. The way is available for you if you want it. If you want it. Exodus. And as I see this verse, this goes hand in hand with what I see with the angels, with the cherubim. In chapter 3 in Exodus, uh, Moses was, first one, was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priest, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the, the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, did the Lord want Moses to know him? Yes. It's a, it's a simple answer, right? Was the Lord interested... In revealing himself to Moses, the answer is yes. Look at verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. In a flame. Just like in Genesis 3 there, you see the flaming sword of the cherubim. He comes in a similar way. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. And the intent was salvation, and the intent was revelation. And Moses got both. The way back to the tree of life, partaking of the tree of life is salvation. And it will be revelation when you do that. The Lord will show you all kinds of things. It should be something that's going on in your life daily where you're partaking of him spiritually. So that no man, no church, no denomination, no demon can make the way to the tree of life totally unknown. God has set it up that way. No man 
has an excuse. No man. Oh, I didn't know. Well, you had the opportunity to know. Well, I didn't really want to. Well, that's something different. So it all comes down to this. The way is open. There's the physical. Now we all know what the physical is. We all have all these things out here that, you know, clamor for our attention. And then there's the spiritual realm. Well, I personally would rather partake of the spiritual tree and be that as it should be, and the physical things will be what they're supposed to be, if you understand what I'm saying. They'll all fall into the the proper place. So I'll leave you with this this morning, that God has made a way, and he wants you as a Christian to continue to partake of the tree of life. And if you are not partaking of the tree of life and you're partaking of your own thing and your own will and what you want to do and you want to control your life and all that stuff and you want to get back to where you should be, then today's the day. You know, you call it in Christianity, they call it recommitting your life to the Lord. If you want to recommit your life to the Lord today, the way is going to be open right here. We're just going to sing a couple songs. If you have to leave, go ahead. We're just going to sing a couple songs. The way is open. The cherubim are clearing the way. And if you want to recommit your life to him, just come forward. It's between you and the Lord. And allow him to put you back where you should be so that you can partake of the tree of life like you did one time, one time in your life. Jesus has come. Living